to the Y Hockey Periodical Podcast. With me is Matthew Lichtenstadter. I'm Thomas Krulikowski. First row of the year, how does it feel? It feels like that gif of Vincent Trocek kissing Jonathan Huberto. If only there were more times I felt like that. And in case you're wondering, no, I didn't save that gif to my computer. Why would you ever suspect such a thing? Because it's saved to our phones. Uh, it's not saved to my phone either, but why would you suspect I would do such a thing? Why would anybody guess that? I don't know. It's an attack on my character. I'm kidding. It's not an attack on anybody's character. It's a fantastic thing. That is probably the best moment of the Panthers season thus far. I'm going to actually start, Tommy. I'm going to posit a couple of theories to you. You ready for these? Yep. Okay. Which of these has more validity? Will it be the glass half full theory, which is the Panthers have played in seven one-goal games, have looked really bad, but they have no saves, they have no specialty teams, and this is probably, in some cases, the worst that they could play, and they've been in seven one-goal games, and many of their losses are puck bounces. Or you could go with the glass-half-empty theory, which is they're on the precipice of complete disaster, and if it wasn't for the fact that these were puck-bounce games, they could be even worse. Which do you think has more validity? The latter, but I'm fairly certain it's somewhere in the middle of going into the season. We knew that there were some pressure points, some pain points, and we knew there were possible really big pain points, like Longo getting hurt uh, first game of the season. And it happened. Talon and company took a risk that it wouldn't happen. And uh, they probably thought that they would maybe use Hutchinson two or three times this year but they already have used him two or three times i can't i can't see hutchinson playing less than a dozen games this year for the panthers and that's very bad uh we will get to goaltending i think that's a separate discussion in of itself i agree with you that we're kind of in the middle of there's a lot of bad but there is good i've been trying to look there's good And, and that's why they've been able to get some points out of games here. I mean, it's because Hoffman has gotten every shot blocked he's taken and yet still has, what, three or four goals? Goals. Four goals. Right? Here here are some of the other things. Like, their offense is good. It doesn't matter that Bob Bugner can't construct a lineup. He can still manage to make good lines because 12 or 11 forwards a night are good. This is something that I, I think we should say. They're averaging more than three goals a game. I know even in October in a, in a league now that's scoring a billion trillion goals, if you average more than three goals a game, you're going to win more than you lose. The real reason why the Panthers, are, you know why the reasons the Panthers are not playing well right now, but I want to focus firstly on a couple of positives from the last two games. And I think we all agree that those were the best two Panther games five-on-five. Five. Against the Rangers, it didn't matter because they didn't get a save. And against the Islanders, they almost got PDO'd to death, but they ended up winning the game anyway. But those were the best two Panther games five-on-five. Five. They have not been bad at five-on-five five any game overall. I checked Puck on that, and they're actually seventh in score Justin Corsi for, which is whatever it is you want it to mean. But it means that the Panthers have actually not been that terrible five-on-five. Five. It's a lot of other things that are killing them, like specialty teams, individual mistakes, and not being able to get a save. But when you look at them five-on-five, they haven't played a bad 60 minutes. They haven't played a good 60 minutes or complete 60 minutes at at regulation. But the fact is, is like there hasn't been a game where I'm like, wow, that was completely awful. There have only been moments in every game where I said, wow, that was terrible. 
Now, there are more of those moments, and when those moments happen, they spiral out of control, which is something else we'll get into. But I think overall, part of this, if you really wanted to boil it down to one sentence with the Panthers right now, you might be able to reasonably say, this Panthers team is playing like it is because it doesn't think it's going to get a save. That might be basically the way you could boil down the season. And if you think that, and it's a reasonable theory, then if Luongo comes back and plays like Roberto Luongo, you could easily see this team snap off five and six straight wins and start looking good again. Goaltending is a big issue, and it's the number one issue. And, and it's we knew it was going to be the number one issue. The biggest in issue of a number of but it's not possible concerns. But I'm I'm not sure Florida would not be in a similar situation. Um. If they were getting saves, I mean, there are still a lot of structural issues with the Florida Panthers. However, there's also the effect of the team is now changing the way they play because they do not expect good goaltending. We talked about that last year. Is like, how much better did the Panthers look when Luongo plays? Like, everybody plays better when they have their best goaltender in. This is obvious. And it, the Panthers, it seemed really notable when Luongo wasn't there. You could see that they played a lot more, you know, protect the house kind of defensive hockey, which is play not to lose and play that you can give your goaltender every chance to make the one save he has to make. And that's not a way to play. But I think when you look at it overall, Again, if you if a team's doing decently well five on five as the Panthers are doing, then they're. Doing I don't know if they are doing decently well five on five. Let's. I mean, what they are set up to do is get a lot of courses, and I. They're not gaming the system. Courses. No, 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 no. I, 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 they're just not playing smart hockey. They're playing dumb hockey. They're getting a lot of shots, but they're dumb shots. They're not shots that are what they should be taking, and they're and they're looking off or not even getting to good shooting spots because they're taking the dumb shots. They're taking the shots five feet into the blue line, Trocheck missing the net, or and breaking out for the other team, or you know Hoffman getting it blocked or who whomever. I mean. It, all four lines have done this, mainly not the first line. Everything I say usually does not apply to the first line. This is true. But, this is true. Um, it's You're going to get some goals. And the Florida Panthers have good enough shooters and crashed the net well enough this year. said had a great game last night doing that. Uh, and they'll get enough goals to hang in games. But is that the best utilization of their offense? No. They could be scoring more like some of these other teams if they were more efficient off the rush, if they had maybe better lines constructed. Like the second line is not a line put together to succeed. It's a line to put together to get a lot of shots, to have the puck a lot, but to do a bunch of nothing. It just doesn't – the players put together just – the playing style doesn't work. You would. You can theory... see it. You can see Trocheck getting so frustrated because he does not have the puck enough when the when it's Hoffman, him, and Huberto. You can see it. He just does not have the puck enough, and he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what to do when he can't take five thousand shots, or he can't 
take you know do three thousand circles in the neutral zone and, and and take the puck the whole way. And the Panthers have to figure out a way to work around that or find him a suitable partner. It, Huberto needs to go back with Barkov because they just work they just work together. Just put it back together. I don't know why you'd ever take it. You can move Dadanov, you can move Buxad. I don't care, but put Huberto and Barkov back together. It's Huberto doesn't work with Trotrak. I think it's reasonable to say that, and I'm surprised we haven't seen it because you know Bob Bugner likes to change his lines every 10 seconds. But I will say that your theory about the second line is probably uh, parsed out with the numbers when you see the puck possession numbers are probably the best on the team, but it's a matter of where you get the chances. And, I mean, I, I did not watch most of that game last night, to be fair. Uh, but that line seems like it just – it, it, it kind of seems like – I don't want to call this the Hurricanes theory because we're, that, that's kind of crass – which is the, we're going to inflate the shot numbers to get the Corsi up, and you see where the Hurricanes' puck possession numbers are right now. Uh, and they have been in recent years. Like, it's kind of like that, but, I mean, it's like, even even then, Trocek still is averaging a point a game. Jonathan Ubersell still has seven points. And, I mean, whether it's talent overcoming bad coaching, which I think is some part of it, or otherwise, you know, they have had good games. All of them have had individual games, even though Colton Sevier's playing on that second line too much. You know, we can see that at least for the forwards, the talent's winning out. They're doing good but things. It, it, you're give, what you're giving up. I mean, it's um, for people who don't really like or, you know, aren't su- are more newer to hockey and maybe you have a better football thing. It, it's like if you score a lot, like you're you're down and out and you and you score, but and you you always you know you're always down and out. You never eat up time. You never um, build momentum and, and have a good running game and stuff. And what you just you're go, saying hey. is you are talking about the Chip Kelly Philadelphia Eagles. Is basically <laughs> what you're saying. Yeah, I'm not as well versed in football, but I, yeah, I, like I, that, that's basically like, what you're talking about. The Panthers are like defensively. If you're not a very good cohesive defensive team. It's it's an issue when you play high event, low possession hockey in the neutral in the in the neutral zone in the offensive zone. Like we've said in other podcasts, it's not that the players necessarily aren't playing well, and I and I see a lot of people on Twitter or Reddit or something saying like they need to have more desperation, they need to play more desperate or be more hungry for pucks and. I don't think that's the issue, and I don't think you know Bugner barking at them or you know making them or benching guys to to send messages or anything like that. Like that's gonna work. It's it's a cohesion issue. It's 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 not playing to the strengths and not having line construction or strategies that play to to the team's strengths and weaknesses. Defensively, if you're struggling defensively. You don't want to be one in, you know, down and out, take take go off a rush, take a shot, missing that high wide, and go back the other way all the time, and go 200 feet up and down the ice over and over again. If you are trying to balance your lines, you don't want to just be running your guys up and down. Something Bugner said, he wants to balance the guys, keep them fresh. The Panthers are just running up and down the ice, chasing the puck. They have to play a more structured game and. I don't 
necess- there's tons of structures they can play. I'm not an NHL coach. I'm sh- they should have hired a coach who would be able to put in the, the right structure. But it, right now they don't have that coach. He hasn't proven to, sh- to be that coach. Uh, and, and they need to find a structure that works for the team and that allows them to have longer, more meaningful puck possession that allows them to get the puck back. But when they can't get the puck back, to not fall apart, to not crumble when they can't get the puck back in the first five seconds in the D zone and just run around, chase the puck, and have both their D above the hash marks, leaving guys in front of the crease. Like, last night, I forget who it was, but somebody was standing in the crease for like seven seconds, like all on their own, just just right by Reimer, just completely on his own. And that happens, I mean... Everybody listening to this podcast probably has already thought of three instances where that's happened in other games. But they're like, oh, yeah, that sounds about right. It does. And, okay, let's, let, I want to go for first. And talk they're playing about. hard. They're playing hard. They're, and not, playing, they're not playing. Like, you, they've had two multi-goal third-period comebacks. It's not like they aren't playing with lack of effort. It's not for lack of trying. You know what I mean? And I, I agree with you there. So what, and I'm not advocating for panic or anything like that but you know the th- the same it's getting frustrating to just to try to describe in different ways and try to find new examples of the same thing to to illustrate why I'm not just constantly unimpressed by this Bob Bugner Florida Panthers team and this right. Dale Town 2.0 Florida Panthers team okay like I- it's it's the same lack of understanding the goaltending issue, lack of understanding how to put together a lineup, lack of understanding how to make a defensive core work, how to actually get offense from the D end. Matheson and, and Ekblad look, look, in two games look so much better than they have in the last like year and a half. This is and correct. It's, and it's like, why Why was it, even after Bob Boogner put them together. Bob Boogner's still like excusing why it took him so long and blah blah blah, and he's just like dragging his feet. And it's like he you gave him a bunch of Sour Patch Kids or Warheads or something when he's talking about this. Like he he had to take his dog out back and shoot it, breaking up Ekblad and Yandel. It's like they must have really liked it gives you, each other. It gives you it, it there's I don't I don't see hope for things getting better this year when they're so far behind the eight ball and Dennis Malgin's a healthy scratch. I don't see hope when it took him this long to get away from Mathis and Eckblad. And we're all waiting for the other shoe to drop. We're all waiting for Pesek to come back healthy and for the combos to go right back to where they are or for them to get out for that one goal against or something and for Bob to just yank it because that's what happens. And it, it, they beat a New York Islanders team that is just as chaotic structurally as them. It's just as behind the eight ball as them. That um, and they have the and, excuse of new coach and not having an offense no start. Tavares. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, it was nice that they came back and won and turned it on for a period. Well, a few players turned it on for a period. And and like I said. You know, the talent won out. It wasn't because they figured out what was wrong and did something to address it. It's just the talent went out this time. Two out of eight times the talent has won out. Only one of them has been a regulation or overtime win. Well, they have we not still haven't won in 60 minutes. minutes. They have not like, won I mean, game in 60 minutes. 
there's still a lot of issues and we're roughly 10% into the season. Like, I think we have to admit that the finish last year doesn't matter. Like the momentum doesn't carry over the summer. Like people just expecting it to just pick up and like, Oh, that's the team. Again, they're wrong. This is the Panthers. They start hot. I mean, they start slow, finish hot all the time. It's a mirage. I don't get, I, at I, some I point, the Florida people... Panthers need to show that they're not willingly selling this to fans anymore. That the, Capuano has to be fired. Bugner has to be fired. They have to go make a trade. Talon has to be fired. They have to do something dynamically, dynamically different in strategy with this team because they have to climb out. Like, look, they, they're maybe in the wild card race right now. They have to be higher than that. They were expected to be higher than that. And they said that they expected to be higher than that. And they talked a big game that we're going to hold the team accountable. You got to do something. It's eight games now. I'm not saying do panicky that, Mm -hmm. oh, we're just going to fire Boogner. But maybe you you sit him down and you say, all right, we are changing the way we play defense. We're going to put together a new way of playing D. Or Dale Town, you have to go get a goalie. You should have done this earlier. You have to go get one now. Give this team a chance. Don't end the season before it even starts, before it really gets going. I wanted to say a few things. Firstly, uh, I, I don't know how many people would disagree with you on the Capuano thing. I think he's getting a lot of heat now, rightfully so. Uh, but let's go back to an earlier point about structure. You're not a coach. I'm less of a coach than you are. I know less about hockey tactics than you do. But if you're a coach and you're given this exact roster, let's say you're going out and you're coaching against the Devils on Saturday for the Panthers. How do you structure this team? How do you want them to play? How do you maximize what you have available? I mean, I think you look at how the first line plays and what they do well. And then you look at well, you have the horses to kind of do it at every line now, especially, you know, with Lamico and Mammon playing well, with 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 McCann playing well. You can you can play a down low cycle, smart hockey. I think the key word is puck support. They have to get close guys closer to the to puck carriers, and when the other team has the puck. You got to get guys closer to the puck carry. They got to be tighter to the puck, and, and and do a lot more short passes. I mean, it's great when they throw the long when Yandel throws a long bomb straight up the ice. But when it's the long bomb straight up the ice as the plan every time, it's really easy to jump that by the end of the sixty minutes. If you're an NHL coach on the other bench sitting there watching it. You see it. You're in the neutral zone. I mean, you're positioned in the neutral zone. You see it perfectly. By 10 minutes into the first period, you're like, all right, every three times, start jumping that blindly. And, you, you know, you'll, you'll benefit from it. I think that the times when you see the Panthers get bogged down the most is how many times that little bounce pass off the short boards into the neutral zone gets cut off and immediately they're pushed back. Like, like how many times does that happen when the Panthers but, are in a really bad spot? Yeah, I mean, there's – It's a, a lot of it is also when the Panthers 
get the puck. They need to take ice and 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 move with it. Um, and not just saying, yeah, and, and skate in, towards support. Like you kind of you, if you have the puck carrier, you're dictating who's going to be a good option for you or not by where you're putting the puck on your blade, how you're positioning yourself to make the pass. I mean, someone can be wide open, but if you're not positioned to give them the puck quickly in the NHL, it's not going to get to them. So it, it's it's about, you know, it, everyone, it's a five, it's a cohesion thing. Like, everyone has to support the puck. And right now, I think they're too spread out. They're too running gun, which stretches them out. And they don't have, it, since it's high pace and back and forth, and they don't, really know how to settle back in and reform it stays stretched out for long periods of time it, it can and that's when they and that's when it falls offense. in on it yeah it can contribute to offense but it also means that defensively you're going to be a little bit bad and the panthers defensively have been bad and, and there's you can make it work run and gun that way, but you know you well, got to like walk Vegas before you crawl, or you yeah you know you have to have the personnel playing that way. Yeah, you, know? you have to have the personnel to do it. But I mean, if you're playing Keith Yandel as your most frequent left-handed shot defenseman, you're going to have an issue playing that way because he likes to be, he's got cement for feet. Like he he stands still more at the blue. He likes to play at the blue line. He doesn't like to necessarily move around a lot. And when he gets the puck, he's not the best at immediately taking ice or keeping his feet moving. Um, and he gets caught flat-footed a lot defensively. So it, it's it it's why he's probably out of position more than he should be because it's it's a style that does it's not conducive for him. And it's not necessarily his fault that he gets overplayed in the system. Yeah, I, well, I want to go for some things. Let's talk about individuals. Individual players. I, I've looked at the stats, and you could actually be surprised by some of them, and it's mostly the forwards. Uh, is there anybody who you want to single out saying they're playing really, they're playing well? They, they've stood out enough to say, all right, they're, they're having the good season that we expected them to. I don't think there's anybody that's been stood up like, wow, he's been amazing. But well, there's first, been a lot of forwards. First line that, has been fine. There's nothing uh, wrong with the first line. I don't think there's anything, but Dadnoff has the most points, and you could—I would probably say the best player for the Panthers right now has been Evgeny Dadnoff. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's always Barkov, but okay. yeah, we'll, if, we'll say if we're not saying if we're not saying Barkov at a point where like he can't do every single thing that has ever been done, like there were points last year when he was doing. Dadnoff's probably been the best Panther forward. He's been good defensively. He's got nine points. He just does the things that Evgeny Dadnoff does. If we, if, if he's we, driving if, a lot too, if, and, and that's what he's at the best is when he's also making plays in the neutral zone, and you know the scoring chances finishing as he's getting back into the play. But you know he he'll you know take a hit and make a nice little chip pass to open up so much room for somebody else and get a rush and scoring chance started. And you know when he's off his game, he's not doing that as much. I mean that's everybody. You know when they're off their game, they're not. They're focusing on getting back on their game and not doing all the other stuff that they normally can do. But I can't remember a time since Dadnoff was coming back from injury last year where he's really been off. Like, he's been just solid in yeah, the I mean, very he's, typical of Genny Dadnoff way in every single game this year. He's averaging more than a point a game. To me, to me, he's one of the reasons it was maybe worth 
putting J- Dale Town back in the GM role to get Evgeny Danov signed to that deal on this team. How is that I, one of the best contracts in the NHL at this point? I mean, fantasy-wise, I, I, I don't see any complaints with people I know who's, you know, he's on the fantasy team. Uh, he's on my he's on my real team. I have no complaints. He's always one of the guys. I always just know I don't have to worry about every night. It's, it's nice, nice to have. Uh, Mike Hoffman's had an interesting start to the season. He's been on every single line except the first line. Uh, he's had some power play time, and they've juggled the power play. So now he's back on the second unit where it fits a little bit better. And even though every shot of his gets blocked, it seems he still has four goals. And in spite of the fact that you could argue he's not being put in a position to succeed, he's still succeeding. And he's scored a goal now in three straight games as we record this on Thursday afternoon. We have not seen the best of Mike Hoffman yet, and he's still put in four goals, which is time for the team lead. I think that shows you how talented of a player he is and what happens if he ends up getting put in a position to succeed. I think he fits better on the third line than he does the second if it's constructed as it is right now with Trocek and Huberto if we go by putting lines together in pairs. And, I mean, for, for all that being said, I, I, I can't really be mad at Mike Hoffman right now for the way he's playing. There's been times when he hasn't done what you would have hoped he would do, but, I mean, he still scored four goals. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I, I have no worries about Mike Hoffman at this point. I mean, you have to remember he came from an Ottawa offense where he had to do a lot. I mean, he's a winger, but he was doing more center – responsibilities of I have to be the main puck distributor I have to develop plays kind of like an Evgeny Dadenoff I have to be that type of dynamic winger um, like we were just talking about and I think when you put it on the line with Huberto and Trocek and him it's hard for him to do that he has less uh, ability to just go and demand the puck all the time to keep the puck when he wants to uh, when you put him on the third line with McCann and, you know, whoever, Vetrano, Malgin, I mean, Mammon, I mean, whoever it would be, I think he would get a lot of time of carrying the puck in on the zone entries, dictating what's going to happen off the rush, um, being the main guy they look to uh, when they're breaking out of the zone or entering the zone or off the face-off and all that stuff. And he he's used to it, which is good to get him going but you know at the end of the day it might be he needs it to be successful at the at his highest level and it also doesn't give him the same sort of defensive i mean he's not a bad defensive forward but he doesn't have to do as much defensively if he's playing on the third line you know he's going to get more zone starts in the offensive zone and he's played fine i mean it's not been great but he's not been horrible and i think that considering where he's been and where he's played with and who he's played with He's been actually pretty good, as I said. And his final resting spot might not be there. So yeah. it's, well, we'll see. We'll take it out as it goes. Because with Bob Bugner, the lines change every 10 seconds, and they still yet don't work. Uh, in terms of other players, I think, you know, Trocek and Huberto each have like, – Trocek's got eight points. Huberto's got seven points. There's a lot of frustrated Vinny. We see that. I mean, as I said – I kind of agree with you that Huberto and Barkov should play together again. And if you had Bugstad, Trocek, and anybody like Morgan line, I think it would work. I'd like to see it. But, I mean, like, if you're talking just about straight offensive production, 
and in terms of trying to drive the play offensively, doing what they're being told to do, they're not doing a bad job of it. Like, they haven't had bad seasons. They've had bad moments, but they're not having bad seasons. They're both playing to the way we expected them to, and if they continue the point production that they're continuing on right now, they're going to be fine. They're going to beat their seasons from last year. And, again, no one can really complain about that just from a pure offensive perspective. Whether it really means anything, though, grand scheme of things i mean i think face-offs would be the only thing i would say that i would really want them to start improving in um as a team uh, i know there's you know numbers that say that it's negligible whether it influences the game but every once in a while it does or it, you know it for a center it really bugs them it can undermine the confidence and a guy like Trotrek who's that competitive I'm sure losing faceoffs all the time and being going back and looking at that is because uh, I'm sure he probably gets all the faceoffs loaded to his iPad or something after the game and watches them and probably gets stuck in his head or whatever. But well, that's 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 Vinny Trocheck. That's who he kind of is. Like he had some really dumb frustration penalties, and I'm like, that's Vincent Trocheck. That's what he does. At a point, I'm like, this is stupid, but this is who he is as a player. And I don't want that taken out of his game. Mike Matheson has is, is the same way, and it's. I mean, you need those you kind got, of players on your team. But Buchner, as a coach, has to find a way to diffuse that to just to get him in a situation where he's not going to be fr- as frustrated. I mean, same with Matheson. He's done it with the Matheson Ekblad, and Matheson has looked great. Ekblad has two assists now. If there's anything. Any part of Ekblad's game that, besides, I would say, um, I would say, I would say maybe his, I would probably say more like his agility defending, like his his lateral movements, but is his assists, is his playmaking, is not just the he's really good on the first pass out of the D zone, which is super important for defensemen, can't be overlooked. Well, especially but this NHL, I think, incredibly I think, important. Create not getting any assists just from shots, creating as a playmaker from the blue line, whether it's jumping in, stepping off the blue line and finding an open guy and making the play there, or from the blue line, like faking a shot and finding some of those more finesse plays. It's showing that he's more comfortable this year. He's adding more aspects to his game and that he's still improving. So I like to see that. Um, and I, 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 and the things that people think Keith Yandel should do, but he can't do. Uh, okay, I want to focus. I want to talk about some lower down forwards in the lineup, but let's let's get to the defense because I think that's what everybody wants to talk about at this point. Yeah, the forwards have been. I mean, like the forwards, they've been as expected. They've been fine. I, I mean, think there's been well, the fourth liners have been the the, the ones we talk about and. Well, because Lamico's come in and good. proven that he is a legit NHL fourth line center. And when I, okay, Derek McKenzie is getting shoulder surgery. And is out for long term. I, I feel bad for him as a person, obviously. I think this is, you know, the person. Willie Mitchell. I think this is the Willie Mitchell. This is, you know, Captain Poolside. This is. Robida Island. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is. This has happened a lot in Florida Panthers history. So I don't, you know, I don't think it's anything that great, but I think I'm just happy it's over. And seems well, to be well, over well, that there's not going to be any. Michael, it's horrible what happened with Michael Haley too, but it's kind of in that same vein, you know. And, yeah, and we I, don't have to, and I feel this podcast right now. It's I like guess a whole fair, different one. But... Fair, fair to say that. Uh, 
in terms of defend, in terms of the defense, we had been screaming for them to break up Ekblad and Yandel, and it took them that Detroit game for them to do it. And I wrote about it on the Rat Trick. I said it was necessary; they had to do it. They did it for one game last year, and then they went back to it. I was really scared that they were going to do it in the Ranger game, and they didn't. And then against the Islanders, they didn't break it up either. And when I said their best two games of the season, five on five, were the last two games, you could see why. Like, everything just seems more balanced. Yes, they lost 5-2 to the Rangers, but you can blame a lot of that on just Michael Hutchinson not making saves. But you you could see, and yeah, that was bad, but you could see just the pairings as they're constructed now just work better. Like, Mike Matheson with Mark Pesek, he would be liable for two or three really boneheaded mistakes a game. And the same was true with Yandel. They're now playing with partners where that element to them, even if it's still there are mistakes like that, they are neutered in their well, impact in more ways. Halfway ways. there. Halfway, okay. Y- Yandel, Yandel, Petrovic is, well, for two reasons, I think a temporary partner for Yandel. I, I think what the, ultimately they need to do is get Bogdan Kisilvich Kisilevich on that second pair with Yandel. Um, I, I think if you want to keep playing Yandel this much and using him this much, uh, that's the best way to do it. Um, and the, is more offensively gifted than Petrovich is, though I have to say. Well, I mean, here's the thing. P- Petrovich is – he plays the same style as Yandel. Like, he's prone to the same mistakes as Yandel, getting caught flat-footed in the same stakes kind of pivoting the wrong way or, you know, kind of like Pissick. Like they, they don't, they should not be together. So I think you can have Petrovic Pissick together um, for whatever reason. And a third pairing low minutes that's worked in the past. Uh, I'd be willing to try that again. Um, I think ideally you want um, McDonald back up at the NHL level. I mean, he's 25 Right, I mean, he's putting up really good numbers in the AHL. I think that's your left-handed third-pair defenseman, and uh, you, Weegar, I guess, or Makoshin, or, or somebody else will rotate in. I want to say, I think let's talk about Ekblad and Matheson because I think it's really important. Because Mike Matheson, obviously, with the suspension, with the the hit, and uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about that, but let's not because it's. It's old. It's old hat at this point. But well, let's just say it was stupid. It was stupid. It was stupid of Matheson, but it was stupid to be two game suspension. Oh, it was ridiculous. You and I had a conversation, and uh, after the suspension was announced, and it was it was an animated discussion. And then Pesic got hit up high by Alex Ovechkin in a somewhat similar way. I know you don't think that hit was that bad. I think it was borderline not great. Well, the what? suspension on Borecki on um, Bakaninen. Bakaninen on Boston. That was one game. And that was how like Matheson a... got two. Elias Peterson plays for the Vancouver Canucks, is basically why it was like that. If, if this was Matheson on Sutter, there wouldn't have been a suspension. Or if this was Matheson on insert, okay, Clayton Keller. If it's Panthers Coyotes, would he have been suspended? No. He wouldn't have, because no one would have watched the game. It's I mean, I just think it's a Panther. He's always going to be suspended. Well, I'm not going into that. I buy more into Canucks fans got butt hurt. Is basically what I I I think is more what it was. But whatever the case may be, 
here's here's the thing. Yandel doesn't have the mobility that Matheson does. And guess who else had that mobility? Brian Campbell. Yep. There's a reason it worked. It's because Campbell Ek- was and, so and the good. Th- there's a reason he it worked. Ahead of his time, as he's always able to help Ekblad cover whatever. So Ekblad has confidence, and when Ekblad has confidence, that's all that matters with him. And then the best thing with Matheson for getting to play with Ekblad is Ekblad is probably one of the best defensemen in the NHL at supporting his partner. He is very good at my guys, my partner's in trouble in the corner. I'm going to be able to help him out. I'm going to be an outlet. He's got the puck on the breakout. I'm always open. I'm always an outlet. Pissick was, that was Pissick's biggest failing. That is Pissick's biggest failing. And mm-hmm. Matheson had so many errors of just running around trying to make a play with no support. He's not going to have that. Those stupid boneheaded once a game Matheson errors will be weeded out because he'll be getting support a lot earlier and he won't be making those desperation passes, those desperation plays with a guy on his back. Seems like it. Seems like it. I, I do want to say for Petrovich, I mean, the Andal-Petrovich pairing is probably not one, as you said, that's going to last because they're both really kind of Well, slow. and then the other, another reason is not that he's slow. They just – it's just a playing style. Petrovic's playing some of the best hockey he's played. So it's I mean, not it's a crazy to think that the best two Panthers defensemen this year have been Jacob McDonald and Alexander Petrovic. I never would have guessed that. Yeah, I mean, sign of the times, I guess, really. Uh, well, it's it's now maybe it's starting to change now that they broke up the bad pairings. But, I mean, Petrovic through eight games has been the best of a Panthers defense group that has not played. They got to they gotta keep them together, and then they got to – they gotta get McDonald back up if he continues to play this well in the NHL. This is this is what I was saying. Like right now, I'm worried about what happens when Pissick comes back because, I mean, I, I, I think, think he we, replaces Weger at least for the time being, and he's yeah. I mean, if only because Weger hasn't looked has only just recently started to look anything like last year Weger. Yes. Um, which you know he had a tough camp and he, and he's taken a while to bounce back and you no know, that's. You know, I don't want to, you know, say he's done and gone forever. They should trade him, but it is likely that Petrovic is still on the trading block, and and I I wouldn't be opposed to it. How many teams many in the NHL would want Alexander Petrovic? How many player? How many teams in the league want a defenseman like that? Everybody. Yeah, so. I mean, a lot of teams would, and you can get a decent draft pick back, and maybe that. Maybe that'll recoup some of their second round uh, losses they've had in the last couple. Well, of years. if if he's playing that well, I mean, there I could think of a number of teams that would like a defenseman like that. But we will see. He's playing. He's showing himself to be a very capable third pairing defenseman for a playoff team. And you need right. those. And and I don't. I think it's half because he's playing well and he's earning it, uh, but. Also, I think the other half is showcasing him a bit, why he's on that second pairing, why he was the one to get the bump when Pisic went down and not Kisilevich at the beginning. I think it's, you know, they want to balance it out. But I think ultimately Kisilevich is the one when they get to the playoffs and they start, you know, shortening the bench and stuff, he's going to be moving up because uh, I've really liked what I've seen from him. I was nervous when they played him earlier, when they played him his first game back with the with the mask and everything, I was like, "Oh, just give him another like two days, like it's not a big deal, please." Uh, but pleasantly surprised, he's uh, been he's pretty good. 
He's getting better. He has a loose. He's a little loose on his handles. Um, you know, <laughs> like sometimes, he, sometimes he'll he'll bobble a pucker when he tries to do too much of, of it. But you know, he when he's just moving the puck in and out, he's he's pretty efficient. You can see why he was relied upon at the national team level and at the KHL level for so long. Well, it's good scouting. It's like they've they've made decisions in just getting players that has been good decisions. When they fire talent, hire Kekalainen as GM. <laughs> yeah. Well, as long as you keep him on staff, as long as he stays, that's good. But I, I mean, if I'm being frank, I think going into the year with the goal tending situation the way it was is a fireable offense. We, okay, for town. Let's, let's I think get he's, let's, he let's, said, I'm risking okay. it on Luongo not getting hurt. On what they publicly said, Luongo playing 50 games. He, he put his money on that, and at his age, with his resume, with how many years he's been, I mean, this is season nine of the blueprint, that he he knew that the he's one of the bullets in the chambers the owners have. It's going to be Capuano is probably going to be the first to go. Assistant coaches are always that. But I think Talon would probably go before Bugner. Just because well, you Bugner know they don't you know they tried to force him out at multiple points and they all said nah. And you know how stingy you know this ownership is with coaches. Uh, well actually uh, and I think maybe maybe not. How many coaches have they fired? Easier to cut ties with them. How many coaches have they fired? They fired all of them. There. Not still there, but Well true. Well how many how many former coaches are they still paying? Four? Well, done right now but i mean if they fire bugner you you pay him at least until another team offers to pay him i don't think they're firing bugner right now but capuano is something i could see happening let's go to goaltending right and and i'm definitely don't i don't want bugner fired at least until the end of the year yeah he's not gonna get fired until the end of the year i don't want a tom rose situation on our hands again because guess what it's gonna be jack capuano is gonna be it's going to be Jordy Kinnear or Gordy Kinnear or Greg Kinnear or whoever Greg from Kinnear. the age. Oh. Greg Kinnear. Um, okay, can we talk about the goaltending? Because I think it is important to say. Firewall offense. Whoever made the decision to go into the, to the start of the season with those three in net, fired. Absolutely fired. Okay. I think that is it is reasonable. One it is reasonable to think that they expected that it wasn't going to be this bad. Now, they it's had not, fear that it was I mean, going it, to be this bad. It's not bad. reasonable that they should expect that. I, guess, I, I, I think that most people, They wanted him to play 50 games. He, played, he, he barely played 70 in the last two. You, saw, you saw how much they used to Terry and Antiniemi, who, by the way, is 2-0 and already this year. On a Boy, team that was supposed they, to be they, worse they than the Panthers. that quick last year. Oh, man. It's like, oh, they actually, it kind of worked. And they just, just dumped them. And they're like, oh, it's well, just. Terry worked and then he went to Detroit. Like, so. honestly, you know who I would fire? Rob Tallis. Well, that's not I'm not, I don't, I don't, I, like, honestly don't, like, fire him. But, like, move him into a different and hire a new goalie coach to take over. Because he's been here for how long? And who's the best goalie they developed that they've had that the really I mean it's not like Rob Tallis made Roberto Luongo who he is. No, he's he's Roberto Luongo. Uh I, I wanna say about the things that we see 
like, I was watching a little bit of Robin Lehner last night, and obviously the Panthers are never going to be a team that was going to take a chance on Robin Lehner considering what we read about him. But it's hard to not watch Robin Lehner play and think, you know, he would have been better than Hutchinson because he was better. He looked fine last night. He would be better than Reimer. I mean, like, my thing is Reimer should not be on the – should have been – should not have started the year on the Panthers. Michael Hodges. The reason why that's not reasonable in terms of just semantics, as much as we would like it to be that case, uh, he has an untradeable contract. We're not like on Scott Darling levels of bad, but you can't trade that contract as much as you want to. You can't trade it. And I did a buyout calculation on Cap Friendly, and uh, if they bought him out next year, it's ugly. I don't know how they could structure it. But I mean, maybe maybe when there's a lockout, there's a compliance buyout for James Ryan. Here's the thing: he's I don't think he's untradeable. I mean, look at some of the goalies in the league. I don't think he's untradeable. The thing is, you just package him to a team for a goalie. You, you, you move him to a team that just needs a a backup goalie for a couple of years during a rebuild or something. Ottawa, or you bury him. You just wave him, and you just eat it. Do you think Hutchinson gets claimed? Because, frankly, you're in hockey games. You said that the playoffs are a must this year, and you went into it with the most important position in hockey with a guy who can maybe play 35 games this year, James Reimer and Michael Hutchinson. And you gave – this, no, this is why I said playing Samuel Montembeau for one period in the preseason was bullshit. This is why I said – not experimenting with different defensive pairs in the year was bullshit. Imagine the season start if all preseason Masson and Ekblad played together, like they said they were going to. They they were talking about doing playing Masson and Ekblad together in like spring last year, and they finally did it like eight games into the season. Because they absolutely had to do something. It's just like. That's the thing that most annoys me about the Panthers is they say they're going to do things and then never do it. Right, and they need to address the goalie situation. Sam, play Sam, Sam Montembeau right now. That could be a change they could make to wake up this team. And I, I called for that. It can't be worse I than, said it than James Ryan. I agree with you. Because he's actually been playing and really it's not like well. Those guys, either of those guys who went 30 are going to get any better. James Reimer is not going to be getting any better. Michael Hodgson's not going to get, get, be getting any better. They're not going to be the answers after Luongo. Nope. What, Colorado has Grubauer. They just paid. They just bought out Orbic for Grubauer, paid a first, signed him to a pretty decent contract, and he's sitting behind Varlamov. What if the so, Panthers went out and got Varlamov? Question. I want to ask you a question then, based on this. You got to go get Bobrovsky. They got to go get. They got to go sign some European guys who no one knows about. Like Sergei Bobrovsky originally was, and develop them. They got to do something. It is embarrassing out there how bad these goalies are. I mean, you also like the Flyers. They can't get a save either. So, I mean, but they have at least Carter right. Hart. But, uh, it, they have more than Carter Hart. They have like three rushing goalies, a Czech goalie. They have Felix Sandstrom, who's like almost as good as Carter Hart, in my opinion. And they're still drafting and signing goalies. They have Alex Lyon. They have. Michael Neuwirth, both of those guys I would take over Hutchinson. Uh, I don't disagree with you there. Uh, I wanted then. I wanted then. One of them could be on waivers very soon, and if the Panthers don't pick them up, I don't know what they're doing. They gotta, they gotta improve in the net very soon because 
if they wait until Luongo gets back in roughly three weeks, they're going to be done. So with all of that said about the goaltending, which everybody watching knows it's terrible, and the Panthers seem to play like they know it's terrible, um, what should the Panthers do going forward? Because with Luongo, he almost retired at the end of last season and then didn't. His salary goes down as part of that awful backdiving Mike Gillis contract. I still think he retires at the end of the season, especially if yes. they make it to the postseason. I think that he's going to retire. So yes. what do you do then as the Panthers going forward? Reimer's going to be hard to move, although I think you'll have more of a chance to move him with two years on his deal rather than three. Here's the thing, because we're all going to think about Sergei Bobrovsky right now because it's going really horribly in Columbus, and it's clear he doesn't want to be there. And all of the links right now are him on Long Island playing with the Islanders. And you have been vocally supportive of him going to Florida. Here's yep. my thought on Bobrovsky and why I'm worried if that's an option for the Panthers. And it, it should be. They should do due diligence on him. But here's why I'm concerned if they sign him. Because you know what he wants. He wants Carey Price money, which is, what is that, AAV? 10.5 something? Right? Right. And Carey Price is really good, but I'm not paying a goaltender that much. Right? Carey Price's AAV is 10.5 into the next millennium, basically. It's a really long-term contract that is going to look really ugly when he gets older. Bobrovsky wants something like that. Now, the Panthers wouldn't have to pay him 10.5 because of the tax situation, but still. Sergey Bobrovsky right now in his age is... I'm going to check that. He is 30 years old, so he's only one year younger than Carey Price, and he's going to want similar money. He has proven to be a good regular season goaltender, but he is bad in the playoffs. And you know what the Panthers want to do. Or his team is bad in the playoffs. Well, I mean, there's there's that, but would you trust him with this Panthers team? I'm not sure he's played enough playoff games, really. But would you right now give him seven years, nine million? No, I would give him ten and a half million for three years. Do you think that he would take that, though? Cause like I would, I would get show him. I would try to. I mean, it's the Panthers' job to sell him on. Hey, we can give you ten million for three years in sunny Florida. We have a bunch of Russian speakers, and if with you behind, with you in the crease for three years, we have three shots at winning the cup. That is a way I would sign Bobrovsky if it was a long time. And, and he has, and he can try it out. You trade for him now, and he got the whole year to try it on for size. You'd have eleven million invested in your goaltender. I mean, you'd have to give him Reimer and other. Well, yeah, I mean, like Columbus happens. will take Reimer because Corpusala is their starter, and Reimer's a decent guy to back him up in the beginning. And you're taking a lot of cap hit from. Columbus, so they, they kind of expect to either to eat some or take some back, and, and that's going to be Rodmer. I, I don't think it's a terrible idea. I said the only way I'd even consider Bobrovsky is if it was for three years. You know, because... I would go up to five, depending on what the cap it is. Here's the thing, because here's how I sell it. As a goalie, and as a winner of a Vesna trophy multiple times, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, he's going to get a certain amount of money, and he's worth a certain amount of money. You know, this is the area of need that, and by getting Bobrovsky, who I think can be good for three to maybe five more years, 
all you need him to be good is for three, give you three years to find another goalie to take his spot. And at that point, if Montembeau's not the answer, they will have drafted somebody or got somebody. The, the thing is, you can't risk it on a James Reimer type, and that's who they've gone to. And like at that point, or how much Darling. money? How much money and time and effort did they put into James Reimer? And look at the output. How much? What's the gap? What's the difference between that? I mean, like, yeah, but Rossi for ten million might be a lot, but he's a goalie. He's he's he plays every minute when he plays. He's the last line of defense. If he messes up, it's a goal against for sure. And yeah. you know you can explain it. You know if Barkov and Ekblad and all these people have an issue with it being so much higher, you can explain it as well. You know he's a goalie. Like it's a different. He's the last guy. He's the it last doesn't break the your it doesn't break your cap structure. Like it's not like for three years, Barkov, like, Ekblad, and all of them are going to be up around the time he's up if you, anyway. If you resign Mike Hoffman, say for eight million dollars, that's going to be more of an issue. I think that that goes. That's like that breaks your cap structure. Then you have to have an awkward conversation, maybe with Huberto's agent, who's kind of used to these conversations. Like, hey, how come you paid this guy more money than my guy? And you know. I want more. I want more money. Get that's me more why money. That Hoffman move was genius, right? So I mean, like that's the thing. If Hoffman resigns, he's got to fit into a cap structure. If you're looking at a goalie to put you over the hump that has two Vesnas, if you tell Barkov we got you a Russian goalie with two Vesnas to help you win a cup in the next three years, because here's the thing: the window's starting for the Panthers. Hopefully, no GM comes out and says it publicly because that's a nightmare. But Barkov starting to enter his prime. All these guys are starting to enter these primes at relatively low cost, and you're running out of years. You need a Bobrovsky type goalie. Like Varlamov is like one year stopgap level good. You need that. Like you need Varlamov level or better goalie right now. Mm-hmm. And they should have been doing this in the offseason. Now they they have to kind of make you things. Have three more years of Barkov after this. You have four more years of Huberto. You've got three more years of Trocheck. Your the, your three more years of Barkov. That's your window. Yep. Because Barkov, I mean, once he gets to year whatever, once the contract's up, he's doubling his salary. Well, here's the thing: is he going to want to sign after three years if they don't have their shit together? So no. The if they don't. If they don't. If he's still looking for a save, if he's still playing his ass off defensively. And to to only have it end up in the back of his net because James Reimer blockers it into the net again, like he did last night, and most other nights he's in the net. I mean, like, it, it gets frustrating. He's going to want to go play with Line in Winnipeg, where they tell Line, don't play defense. Don't worry about it. We have defensemen who actually take care of it. And we have Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, a goalie who, you know, takes care of it. How about I mean, if you're here a couple if, of if Longo, couple if Longo was if Longo was even 37, this wouldn't be an issue. Okay. How about you know, other options? Just... How about other options that people will bring up? How about sure. would Let's you see. would you if Bobrovsky's not an option, would you trade for Henrik Lundqvist? The, I'd have to look at that contract again. He has 8.5 left for two more years. Here's the thing. When he retires, is it like a Luongo no, situation? No. 
No. Where it goes to the Rangers? No. It it is a two more years at eight point five million cap hit, and that's it. Two more years. Two more years after this. Here's year. the thing: Do you think do you think Henrik Lundqvist can play more games than Longo? Um, I think the answer is probably yes to playing more games. Can he play better? I don't know what he'd look like with a good team in front of him because the Rangers have never right. been good defensively. You so, can only do it if Luong, if you know for sure Luongo's retiring at the end of the year. I'm, I'm and, all this saying Luongo's retiring. This is all right. the speculation is for. Would right. you do Would you do Hank over Bobrovsky if all things no. were equal? No, 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 no. I would, would you do, do, would you do Hank over Bobrovsky if Bobrovsky were to take seven years? All, all things being like Bobrovsky is the number one goalie target for me. I've been a big fan of him since he was signed by the Flyers, and it's not just bias. I mean, I think he's backed it up to a, a pretty good point where he's one of the best goalies in the league. And yes, he's thirty, but the Panthers aren't in need, and you know they keep saying they have money. And they have a good cap structure. If the if they can limit the term, if they don't go six, seven, go seven years, I mean, like they if they can't go six, seven, eight years, I think they're fine. Like you have to remember, there's going. Well, I mean, maybe you can go eight years because there is going to be another lockout, and, <laughs> and you, then you know, immediately buy him out, and you get protection. Well, yeah, because you but know, that mean that you know the Panthers have... would have to buy out somebody, and you know that's not something they like to do. Right, but I mean, like, if the only way I do Bobrovsky, Bobrovsky is if it can was... get you a cup, like let's be honest, he could get them a cup. He's that good with the with the forwards they have, especially the centers that they have, especially if they keep Borgstrom as a center and they run Barkov, Trocheck, Borgstrom as their three centers when they're winning when they're like you know in the playoffs winning series and running for a cup with Bobrovsky and. I mean, they can hobble together defense that's good enough. It's it's really just been, if you think about it, Ekblad has barely had a good defensive coach his whole entire NHL career. He had nobody the first year. He had, like, John Madden, like, kind of taking it over and then him officially taking it over the next year. And now he's got, like, Jeff, Jack Capuano. And Tom Rowe, God forbid. Right, yeah. I mean, like, if this this is not that bad, you – I think you you, you lose P- Pissick, you, you you trade Petrovic, and you bring up some of these guys like Riley Stillman. Looks like he's going to be pretty solid in a couple for at least as a depth guy. Same with Toma, uh, Thomas Shemtich. Uh, Max Gilden looks like he's going to at least be an NHL defenseman. Um, you know they they drafted pretty well. They'll turn up the heat and draft a little more defensive focus over the next couple of years, but. They have all the pieces. If they can get a goalie, you can start saying that they can be a contender. If they have Borowski for three years starting next year, I, I give them a shot of being in the Eastern Conference Finals at least once. I, see, like, I, I agree with you. And that's worth it. That's so worth it, even if you have to sign them to a $50 million five-year contract. Yeah, I, I'm saying 50 over five is something I'd do. And the thing is, he might want Carey Price money, but Carey Price has That's at least a pretty damn of... close to Carey Price money. Well, and why you it's in a way better tax. tax. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. But it's also like that's a much better tax thing. But it's also you're selling them. This isn't like who's going to give you the Carey Price deal? Arizona? Would they give you the Carey the Price? Islanders. Like the Islanders? Do you want to go there? 
where or do you want to win a cup in your prime right now? You couldn't get you couldn't win the Olympic gold last year. That's gotta be burning. That's gotta be itching at you, huh? You we look at all these Russian speakers. We have Dennis Malgin who speaks Russian. We have De- Barkov who speaks seven Russian. guys that speak Russian. And you have more and you're gonna have more coming. You got Denisenko who's coming. And you know you, you know there's gonna be more. Let's see. I hope- Barkov, Mammon, Dadanov, and then Levich, Malgin. And then who's and then the other benefit of going out and paying for quality goalies, just like they went out and and sucked it up. I didn't complain with. I mean, like I was worried about the Longo contract and I hated to see Marshall go, but I knew you had to pay, you had to give to get, you had to pay to get good goaltending. I'm a Flyers fan. I know it all too well. Sometimes you pay expensively to get bad goaltending. First go off, <laughs> right? But this is a different Russian beast. This is... Well, I think uh, also, you know, for Bobrovsky, there's still pressure in Florida. I mean, the only pressure is internal. You know, like, he, like yeah, I think that it would be a good spot. And also, of course, it, it does help that... It's one fan's team opinion. Right now, the only team in the NHL that's more Russian than the Panthers is the Capitals. That's it. And they're not going to need a goalie. They're, a goal, they're AHL goalie Vasenik or whatever. Uh was just named like AHL player of the week or month and he's like and number they have, two. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, and they have Holtby right now. Like he's not he's, going. He's great. Uh can I I wanna get quickly to I, I mean like it's gonna be interesting to see how the Bobrovsky situation develops because we have not seen the Panthers name linked with him yet, but I'm pretty sure next off season they will be if he gets to free agency. If he gets to free agency, uh I think it's up to Viola to to back up the money truck. And, well, you know, at this point, like he spent. I think really I think if he's half. if he's in the UFA, I think that's when you're just okay a seven year deal, and you just you just like all right, whatever you get will match. Like you know, like that's bring it home, baby. Like that's just just win. That would be the only signing you'd have to make next off season. Well, I mean, if you're waiting till next off season and at you July next off season and you didn't get it done at the draft, you're in desperation mode. You have to back up the Briggs truck. That's the only tool left in the toolbox at that point. Well, I think that next year they absolutely are going to draft a goaltending. Uh, but that's not going to, yeah. I mean, like that's, it. what they do in the future is, you know, this isn't five card stud. You want to have like you know twenty card pick them. Because you have a bunch of options. It, yeah. I mean, like, the Flyers have five to six viable options if Carter Hart doesn't pan out. And you, 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 you aim for half of that. I mean, that's a little overkill, and it's really hard, and you have to really focus to get that many good goaltenders. goaltenders but, Why you know, if you'd have three or four. One of them. Right, yeah. I mean, like... And you can you you do it like they've been drafting. They drafted guys in the sixth round who are a little older and played in pro leagues and, and showed themselves well. Mammon, Repo, etc. They, they've drafted high value, high reward, low risk, you know, players who who maybe don't fit the mold. Maybe they find like a five eleven six foot goalie who's super talented, but he's just not tall enough or not thick enough to be a good goalie. But they roll the dice on him, and it turns out to be, you know, Yuzi Saros good. Yeah. You know, I mean, to start doing stuff like that. It, okay. Here, here's the other scenario I want to mention before we talk about Springfield, before we end the show. Uh, if if they failed on Bobrovsky, if they gave three years seven-ish or a little bit lower to um, Pecorine, would you be okay with that? 
No, Pecorino is done. He's like Longo. He's done. You might as well just keep Longo at that point. So would you would trade for Hank would, for him? 100%. Yeah. Okay, just checking that. All right, let's talk. Uh, Thunderbirds. Because the thing is, Pekka's had the team and hasn't been able to get it done. And Longo hasn't had the team. I mean, you know, Henrik hasn't had the team recently. You're not sure if he still has it or not. But you kind of think he does. Like so. I, I somehow I think it's more likely the Panthers trade for Hank than it is they get Bobrovsky, but we'll see what they do. I think they're going to do something because that's the big card that Dale Talon can play. The card for the forwards is Borgstrom, and he hasn't had to play that card yet. And, and he, he shouldn't might. play. He shouldn't play right now. And I at mean, this point, since since Borgstrom's down there and you're getting good enough from the forwards, you don't need to bring up Borgstrom at this point. The card the card is for and for defense it's fire Capuano, and for goaltending it's trade for somebody. Can we talk about how Bobby Farnham hasn't played a game yet? <laughs> he has not played a game yet? No. Uh, are you surprised? No, I'm not, because I think that... I don't want to take all the credit, but I think, you know, enough people on Twitter brutalized Springfield's lineup decisions last year. And it, was, and it had terrible results. There's no way they could deal with that all over again. I mean, especially in the year they're hosting the All Star Game. It's yeah. I mean, it's I mean, yeah. You got to have a better team. They're just a better. They they knew it. They couldn't they couldn't hide away. Even though they wouldn't have a small budget, and they're a better team. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen when um, Harry Zolnerchuk stops getting force fed minutes and and Paul Thompson stops getting force fed minutes. I mean, what's happening is they're being run out like. Uh, 18, 20 minutes a game, and they're they're putting in the work right now. They're working, so you don't want to dial it back now. But all of a sudden, that line maybe is going to die off, and that's when they got to start giving Borgstrom more minutes because he's not really getting enough, and he's putting up you know probably better scoring rates and some. So how some, is how are players doing in Springfield in terms of stats and play? Because Montembeau has apparently been playing pretty well now that this is his team again. The better people to ask would be someone who's watched more and complete games. I've only watched parts of some games, but uh, that, that's for a future podcast. We'll get somebody. We'll get somebody me, who covers the Falcons. The Falcons, Thunderbirds. Springfield uh, Falcons used to be their old team. <laughs> Put a dollar in the swear jar every time I do that. Montembeau's played three games as a nine four one and a two oh one goals against average. That's pretty good. The, they have an ECHL-level goalie playing right now, but that's because Hutchinson's up. And uh, he's, he's doing pretty well, though. He has a 919 and a 289 Which in two games. Which goalie is this? Chris Dreger. Oh, I don't know. He's, I, was, I, he's, was, I kept thinking I, it was I don't Ed Crowley. They, I mean, it's, they, don't, they never really liked him. Okay. Um, so, uh, I don't understand. I wish he, he was good enough to be in this role. That's for sure. Um, but you know, this Hutchinson's played one game and had like a nine five seven, so he's not Hutchinson when he played in the NHL wasn't too bad either. They're they're playing well. I mean, the teams they're winning. I, I inexplicably the lineup <laughs> the lineups are better. I've been just screenshotting a lot of them just to see what he's the pattern is. Me the lineups, and I'm like, uh, it's better than I feared it was going to be. It's I mean, yeah, it's halfway better. So it's. It's early in the year. They're winning. It's halfway better. I have no complaints. 
But like Borgstrom's line mates are like Joel Lowry and Jace Howerlock or Jake Horton and, uh, you know, not Sebastian Repo or Patrick Bykoff. And Patrick Bykoff, Patrick Bykoff and Sebastian Repo are doing okay, um, but not as well because they're getting stuck in like fourth line minutes. And that's not really the point of the AHL. When you have, you know, 20 some year old, never been prospect guys who are like, you know, just a couple years older than Patrick Bykoff, maybe not even two years older than him, getting fed better minutes and, you know, for no, no real apparent reason and doing okay. But, uh, you know, I think they're, they're leaving some, some goals on the table. Um, defensively, like, this team could be like the, uh, the old Toronto Marlies. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that's that's a dream. I think that right now they're being expectedly as good as we we could expect, you know. And and I mean, I'm happy with years, that right the Thunderbirds now. have been terrible. I I really want to get Ian McCoshin a better partner. Um, I think that is what I want to see. He right he's right now playing with Matt Mangine, Another uh, NHL guy, who's a forward. He's, a, he's, he's, a, he's one of these guys who, in Division One played forward in defense, and these are common. And it's not like it's because he's really good at both. It's, you know, it's usually because they're the practice players and they're, or they're, you know, depth players and they have to be moved around to accommodate the open spots and stuff. Uh, and not, they'll do it because they want to play. But I think Ian McCoshin's at the age and the the point in his development where he needs to be playing with guys of his skill level. He needs to be playing with the best to bring out his best because he's either at the time where he has to become an NHL defenseman or he has to become trade bait. And even if it's just Colby Roback getting a fifth back or a sixth back for him, you got to get, you know, you got to. There has to be some churn. You can't let these guys stagnate forever like they're letting Jace Howerlock do right now. And Ian McCoshin, second-round pick, you know, just like Jake Howerlock, you know, they got to get something out of them. And I love Josh Brown. I love Josh Brown. But, you know, Josh Brown getting a better defensive partner than Ian McCoshin is concerning to me. I know it's a little bit about bounds and yada, 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 but that means Matt Mangine's playing a lot of minutes he shouldn't. And it's working out now. But Until I, 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 I can see, I can see a, a reality in which it does not. Absolutely. Is there any but other NHL Julie, school? Julie Melchori still still doing thumbs up. He could be a good uh, see, call really up. It's really how they sign guys like Melchiori and then and uh, McDonald and they end up being better than anybody else on the team. It's really funny. Well, let's how be that honest, okay? Year. Let's be honest. We there was a point where the Kulikovs and Gabranson got to a point where, all right, they're not who we thought they are. It's time to move on. They're yeah. depth guys. We got to cycle them out. Yes. Now we did, we got guys back. We got McCann back for that. It's worked out great. We got Pissick. It worked out good the first year. It was okay. And it's been going down ever since time to just move on and plug somebody else in that spot. We have a lot of good young D. We have a lot of good middle-aged, and we have a, we have Julian Melchiori, who's 28, and is a good guy to fill in the gaps when everybody else can't is either hurt, sick, on a you know on a cold streak or whatever, or on Robita Island. Yeah, and you know that gives more minutes to the Riley Stillmans, that gives more minutes to Thomas Shumtip. So you hope that they're 
they're planning that and it's you know they want to get some churn going and uh they're, they're figuring out on maybe a later time frame which wouldn't surprise me given their their late time frames with defensive uh changes and defensive uh switches at the nhl level yeah, they, they'll, they'll switch the forwards up, but they now just switch the defensemen up. So uh, the Panthers play one more game before Finland, and that's against the Devils. I'd like them to win because uh, then I get to gloat to my friend because uh, that's good. And the Devils are once again playing way above their heads, which of course they are because Keith Kincaid is somehow good and some idiotic team is going to give him a billion-dollar contract. Hopefully it's not the Panthers, but they might. Uh, and then they go to Finland to play the Jets, and... I mean, I'm, I'm here for all the Barkoff line A stories. Then actually watching the games is probably going to be painful because the Jets are way better. But And probably will be wearing some cool new jersey that they, they decided to new great for marketing uniforms. and sales. And they do engaged. have new blue uniforms, and that shade of blue is suspiciously like the shade of blue on the Finnish flag. I love it. I think um, the Panthers are really missing out on an opportunity. I mean, obviously they, they have internal metrics and, and uh, algorithms that say differently. But, you know, when has that ever Steelers... It's the third jersey at some point. It's just not going to be what we want it to be. You know, these are the same algorithms that said Keith Yandel would be a good long-term investment. So I don't know if they're always right. Uh, We've praised old management, and then we've buried them for Reimer and Yandel. I mean, I've just been burying them for Reimer and Yandel. Well, I mean, have you listened to these podcasts? We've been burying them for years now, but I don't think we should do that again. I think it's pretty obvious that the Yandel and Reimer contracts were good. Is there anything else in the NHL that you wanted to talk about specifically? Gritty being on birthday cakes is an amazing thing that I have seen and I enjoy greatly. Yeah, that's going to be on my next birthday cake. Won't be on mine, but I'm not surprised it'll be on yours. It's going to be on the one I send to you. Do you know what my birthday even is? It starts with a J. It starts with a J. I'm not going to give you the answer to this on the air. I might not even give you the answer to this off the air. So I might get a gritty birthday cake at some point in a random month. Anyway. Um, it won't be random. It'll start with a J. It'll start with a J. So I've got January and July. I'll give you a hint. One of them's closer to my actual birthday. Uh, June. You have to pick that up too. Huh? It could be June as well. One of them's closer to my actual birthday. Uh, anyway, is there anything else in the NHL that you want to mention? Uh, I think in terms of like watching the league this year, um, hey, do we have to give NBA CSN a tap on the shoulder for actually covering a game with all Canadian teams? I would have watched it last night if I wasn't completely occupied with other things. I can't believe it took this long. Very happy about it. I hope the numbers back it up. I watched. Uh, they won't. I did think it Actually, thing. you know what? I can actually get you the information. I was way more day. excited about that game than most games that they've put on on a Wednesday, for sure. But again, I'm not the most patriotic person, quote unquote. Okay, okay. let's play. Guess the ratings for that game. How many? How many? Point thou- eight. Thousands of viewers. Viewers. Viewership. Very important here. 0.8 on the Richter scale. 0.8 on the Richter scale. How many viewers does that register as? 850,000. You're not even close. 235,000. You're still too high. 68,000. Okay, now we're getting to Fox Sports 1 levels. Not that. Not that bad. 192. 167. Oof. I knew it was going to be that bad because the World Series was on last night, and that was my fear. 
uh, and America's as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was honestly going to be worse. I hope it doesn't discourage them from doing more of it, but that's what the number was. Yeah, the World, World Series, game. World Series, Boston, LA. That's that's going to be a big. That's going to kill everything else. That's well, you sure. know the ratings last night for that game was thirteen point four five eight million, which is not actually that high considering it's Boston and uh, Los Angeles. Uh, would you like to guess what the game? I'm sure, many people in LA turned it on too late. Uh, maybe they did. Uh, what did you think the Tampa Bay Colorado game that started after that? What were the ratings for that game? What do you think they were be? One twenty. One seventy-seven. So it actually did better ratings, but not by much. That, that's not surprising. Colorado is hella fun to watch this year. I would say that they're my team in the West. I'm, I'm following a lot. I'll probably watch all 82 this year. Damn. I haven't missed a game yet. And then last night they got shut out by the Lightning. Uh, can we say that the Lightning are going to just be... Good the game, though. Uh, it was a fun game for the bits I watched. Can we just say that the Lightning are once again going to be a civilized destroyer of worlds? Yeah, like, and that's the level Florida could be at. That's the they level could everyone be wants them to be at. A, a Tampa. They could be a Tampa. If they they like, but like you look at how Tampa plays, and you watch how they support the puck. When Kucherov has two guys on him, he can easily make a little a little bump pass. He can easily drop the puck into an open spot. He knows where his players are consistently going to be uh, around him, uh, and that's not always the case. But when Tampa Bay gets in a situation, it's not picking their head up. Oh my God, what do I do? They instinctively know what to do because they've done it over and over and over again and their execution level is very high it, this includes playing ryan callahan too many minutes in the playoffs yeah i mean like there there are some things and issues to tampa bay as as a team and their organization and you know they haven't won a cup yet and that could be one reason why that you know they've They've done some weird, you know, New York Ranger idolization uh, in the past couple of years. But do you think that's going to stop now that uh, what's his face Breezeball is the GM? It depends on who was who was idolizing it. It could have been Vinick, who's like, oh, I want this guy. I watch Don't him a lot. Think that's a Vi- that was a Viola move, though, idolizing everything Rangers. Well, I mean. Maybe he just liked some guys with that type well, I mean, of. Let's, let's be honest. Like the Lightning have claimed a lot of like. I mean, they developed Marcia so, and then they claimed Martell from the from the Flyers, and everybody's like, "Oh, that's going to be the next Marcia so, or something like that." Yeah, I mean, they do they do good stuff. They do bad stuff. I mean, they did give. They do have Dan Girardi, and he is quite. They bad. only they only do a few bad things. But the thing is, for some reason, when they they're like Chicago in, in a bit now, Chicago is, is does it at a whole different level. But things get a little better when they go to Tampa Bay. Like Braden Coburn goes from Florida, I mean not Florida, Philadelphia to Tampa, and he becomes a solid angel defenseman again. Ryan McDonough. Uh, yeah, I mean he Ryan McDonough has looked a, a little better. Do you know what's really funny about the Lightning right now? Girardi, I think, looks better. Do you know what's really funny watching the Lightning right now? When you when you watch them play and you look at... Uh, it's funny. Look at Steven Stamkos right now. He's played eight games, and he has the same number of points as Nick Pukestad, which is four. And the Lightning are still destroying people. Like It's a luxury. It really is. 
At that point, Steven Stamkos is a luxury player. Is that that's crazy to think about? His is it's it's just I love the that could be us, but but the oldest tripping. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Is there anything otherwise in the NHL you want to mention? Uh, do you want to talk about is Connor McDavid a better player than Sidney Crosby? I know what Crosby did against the Oilers, but here's here's the thing. Crosby just went to Matthews and McDavid and just was like, listen, I'm still the best. One day yeah, when I retire. On a road trip. That's, that's, that's it. Yes, that did happen. Yeah, and he shut him down. I mean, there's a – McDavid can do whatever he wants at full speed with the puck. If he can't do it at full speed, if he doesn't have the puck, he's not much of a threat. He can't shut other teams' top players down. I don't think McDavid – in the playoffs, can shut down a Crosby, a Matthews, or somebody like that. Well, in the West, I would say the same thing with Matthews. Joe Thornton. Right, yeah. Ryan Johansson. And, and I think you so have what you're to... telling me is that you would rather have Alexander Barkov in the players in the playoffs than Connor McDavid. I would rather have him in a pickup game. I mean, I would just rather have you Alexander. You just basically called Connor McDavid the world's greatest player of Chinny. I would... That's what you've done there. He's like Patrick King. Like, he's really good at certain things. He's, like, a silly level at certain things. Like, how does he do it? You know, blah, blah, blah. And you get all the YouTube reaction videos. It's, it's great. But there's a lot of things, you know, other players do better than him. And it's okay to admit that every once in a while. He's playing, what is it, like 20 Those things are even really important. Yeah, I mean... Okay, has Todd McClellan said in a post-game press conference yet that McDavid's burnt out? Just out of curiosity. No, but one is a former San Jose head coach who probably at one point was worth his weight in salt in the league, and the other is a former San Jose assistant coach who... Isn't. Still doesn't really know what the speed of the NHL and the NHL game is from behind the bench. Okay, I'm going to ask you two final questions here because we could be on the verge of seeing a lot of coaches getting fired in the league. It seems like there's a lot of pressure on after last year. There were no coaches fired in the season. If you had the choice right now between Todd McClellan and Bob Bugner, who would you pick? I think I know the answer to this, but who would you pick? <sighs> God, I would I want to pick a gun to my head. I would probably say Todd McClellan because at one point I was a big Todd McClellan supporter. Um, in the same vein, as one point I kind of liked Alain Vigneault. So because you, know. you you did very well. You well, coaches what question was going to be coaches. Uh, they have short shelf life. They have you know like they have one way of doing things and very quickly you find out whether it works for your team or not. And, and uh, ask the other after a while, you, asking. you know what they are. So you know whether they're going to And at the end of this podcast, I'm going to ask the other question you're going to hate me asking. Would the Panthers be better right now with Gerard Gallant and his propensity to play fourth liners too much? I think the defense would be better. I think the team play would be better. They'd be a more cohesive unit. I'm not sure they would – I'm sure they would probably have more points and wins. I'm not sure that they're – yeah, I mean, yes, they would be better because it would be better than Boone. It just flatly would be better than Boone. And I, I was trying to find a way to not say that, but well, it's hard. 
What you're saying is that they uh, have a better team, but than they I don't have think sort of offense. Yeah, they don't have the same, They wouldn't have the same. Well, maybe they would because look at what he's done in Vegas. You know, well, I, I hear. I'm going to go. Hold on a second before we before we leave now. I want to like a look at the Golden Knights stats <clears> because I I feel like we should do that because they've they've had their struggles this season. Hey, regression to the mean is a tough thing to crack, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to look at their stats right now because I actually haven't paid attention to it. Marshall Sill's got ten points. William Carlson's got eight. Riley Smith is five. And Pat's ready to go, Jesus, he's got two points in eight in nine games? Oi. Yeah, don't worry about that. Oi. I mean, like, that's the thing. It's like goal scorers like them, they either hit it off and they have, like, eight goals in eight games with their new team or they take a while to get going or they're, well, you know, like, they're on the fact that, Easter like, famine type Like, guys. the Panthers have more players right now. Like, they don't have anybody with as much as Marcheseau, but they've got nine, eight, eight, seven, or something like that, and it's 10, 8, 5, and then it's off the cliff for Vegas. They're also playing... All right. Panthers have played majority backup goalies. Not every team has that luxury. Um. Well, let's see. They played... <laughs> Played Vasilevsky, they played Corpusalo, they played Nielsen, they played Elliott and Pickard, they played Holtby and they chased him, and then they played Copley, then they played Jimmy Howard, they played Hank's backup, and then Laner, who's better than Grice. So I don't know who Vegas played, but anyway. Also, they signed Nate Schmidt to a long extension today. Terrible. Yeah, that wasn't a good contract. Thanks, Math. Makes me feel of... better about Matheson's contract. Yeah, they're giving out a lot of contracts right now to uh, Golden Misfits. Alex Tuck got 4.75. That seems like a little bit much, too, isn't it? That was the problem of success in year one. They're getting married to it. I mean, they made enough moves, like with Stastny. It's, and... why, it's why the intentional tank was never a bad idea. You build up the fan base the hard way. It sucks, but... In the end, you have a long-term, deeper franchise, and you'll do better things. Uh, Second-guessing the Vegas Golden Knights. We're still doing that on this show. Uh, this was, this it's was... not 2nd they got, they got put in an unimaginable position, and they made a gut call, and they almost won with it. They, you know? Like they, Even though they, they traded for Thomas Tatar. Like, if they, they were, what, two, three games away from it, like, okay, yeah, they just maybe are going to suck for now, and maybe they're going to tail off, but they won a cup year one, like Cinderella stuff. There's going to be movies. There's going to be – they've done something. You know, it would have paid off the ultimate prize. So uh, they came close to it, so you can't fault them. You know, it's not second-guessing and blaming them, but, uh, you know, it, there is going to be some tough – tough times and you wish they reacted a little better to it than just doubling down and signing Nate, Nate dope Schmidt. To... Wait a minute. Hold on. I, I have to check because hold on a second. I, I want to see something before we end this show for real. Now. Like, is Nate Schmidt making more? Nate Schmidt is making more money next year than every forward except Paul Stastny. Yeah, and he's, he's like more money. Okay, Pacioretty's making seven next year. Nate, so, Nate Schmidt is like Mark. Like he's the type of defenseman that's really good on the third pair, pretty pretty average to can be good on the second pair. But he just gets hyped up, hyped up, hyped up because he's flashy, 
He's got a big personality, and people like him. Okay. You, you heard I think before. he's – I mean, even with the high defensive – I mean, he's a $4 million, $5 million best defenseman, and he's getting close to almost seven. It's Is that right? He's getting nearly six. What's he, what's he at? It is – the contract is – I will tell you. It is 5.95. 5.95. Yeah, that's six. Like, yeah, that's just six million. The six Panthers million. defensemen making six million include Aaron Eckblad and Keith Yandel. Yeah, and like, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I'd rather have Keith Yandel than Nate Schmidt. I mean, maybe not, maybe not right now, but like, if you said Nate Schmidt at this deal or finish out Keith Yandel at his deal, I'm finishing out Keith Yandel. Oh, I'd finish out Keith Yandel too, because that yeah. contract ends sooner. Yeah, and like, just I, I don't think Nate Schmidt's ever going to get to Keith Yandel Norris conversation. Like, he at least Keith has Yandel's a, got some offense in his game. Keith Yandel has had a, a career that he's going to be able to look back on. He's going to have the Ironman streak, and he's going to have a few years where he came close to being in the top three of the Norris, and a few years where he was, I think, in the top three, like second or third in voting. Like, he got pretty high. He was highly regarded for a few years. Not many D can say that, and I don't think Nate Schmidt will ever be able to say that. Probably so I'm going to blinders or limits on people, but if I'm putting millions of dollars on it as a franchise, mm, not too sure. Okay, I'll buy that. I'll absolutely buy that. So that's the Y Hockey Periodical Podcast. We will talk to you next week when we talk about Finland. Lots of things about Finland and how amazing it is. It's a great country. Please, everybody, start tweeting goalies that you like or you want the Panthers to get at. Tweet it at Y Hockey and tweet it at Florida Panthers. Just let them know and let us and know. And that Matt's Music's one, too. I would like to hear yeah. your opinions. Or, alternatively, you could do what I did when I uh, said the Borgstrom setting down was stupid, and then all of Panthers Twitter got in my mentions after that. You could do that as well if you want. Right. Sometimes, I mean, like, that's the, well. Just I, do I, it. Just do it. Just come, Just tell them. Just be like, we want Borowski. Trade for Borowski. Just get them. You know what? They read they the take comments. They so take all of our season ticket holder money. We want you going after Borowski. You went after Talbot. You missed. I mean, how many years have you trying to get the, net, the guy after Luongo? They've been trying to get the guy after Luongo so long. They had to go and get Luongo back. Pretty much. And but now they're getting the guy. So long. Right? So and certainly he's better than Alex Ald. Is James Ryan like, better than Alex Ald? What uh, will anybody like let's just think about this logistically before we sign off. Will anybody get mad at the Florida Panthers if they pony up and drop market value for Sergey Bobrovsky? If they trade, you know, Owen Tippett and like James or something, Taylor. and to get to get Sergey Borovsky, and then when time comes, they pony up and they may sign him to like a big long term contract and stuff. But and if things don't go well, are the people really going to get mad? Probably not. No, I don't think I mean, anybody would get mad. They'll only get mad in hindsight. Like even if they get like this guy, he's won two vets. I mean, this isn't Bobrovsky. Uh, this isn't a Brzgalov coming in, 
who, you know, did kind of well for maybe, a, you know, like Barofsky's won Vesna's. He's proven it to a large extent. And I, it's not going to be a 10-year, you know, like it's not going to be this huge contract. It's at best going to be 60, 65 million. I mean, like the idea would go, the idea would say, we'll pay you more AAV if you take fewer years. Yeah. And like, you know, you can sell that to people and you have the Florida Panthers have to start selling themselves to people. I don't want, there's no more excuse of we can't go out and get somebody. You can, you totally can go out and go get someone. You have to always be on the phone and going to get people. I'm tired of waiting for them to go out and get the needed pieces, waiting until the next off season or waiting to the year. They have to be getting these people now. You heard it here. Officer Bob to South Florida. Your service has been requested. Make it happen. Well, well, Put in the paperwork. Yeah, well, at this point. The union wants them. Or, or just to have him just do all the ads in Russian. Just have Barkov and Malgan and Mammon and, and Dadnoff and Kislevich. How how much would it take to put to take out an ad in the Wall Street Journal in that like have that is in Russian that says Bobrovsky to like the Panthers? I don't know whether that would fly at this point, so I don't think we should suggest doing that. But how about just uh, yeah, uh, Officer Bob, your your president? I'm gonna say I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it, sunrise. I'm gonna put in something that you know the Panthers ownership will read. Maybe like in. Uh, guns and ammo, or um, <laughs> boy, uh, American flag fetish monthly, or whatever. Uh, uh, no, I'm not going there. All right, Officer Bob to South Florida. Your request has been pres. Your presence has been requested, and for that, we will see you next time on the Y Hockey Periodical Podcast, where maybe the Panthers by that point will have a regulation win.